Welcome to the Redbird Report. My name is Tom Prizman, alongside Vedette Sports Editor Mike Marr, coming to you from the Vedette offices on Illinois State's campus. And Mike, a lot going on in ISU sports. We'll talk about soccer, we'll talk about football, we'll talk about basketball, all coming up. But tomorrow... Another edition of the paper comes out. What can people expect? Well, you can expect to see a preview of the birds, the football birds, traveling out to Youngstown, Ohio for a date with the Youngstown State Penguins. It's their homecoming. So, By the way, I think that's the best nickname in all of sports. I'm a huge fan of the penguin nickname. Yeah, are you? Really? Love the Youngstown State Penguins. I think it's a great name. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't I mean. I like the logo. Love the little logo. If I could get a little shirt with a little penguin on it. Oh. oh. You're, you're going to be there this weekend. You could get one. I mean, you could, you, you could betray ISU and get a shirt. You know, I like the logo, but I'm not getting a shirt, folks. I'm loyal I'm, to the I'm, Redbirds. I'm working. I'm working. Let's, let's be a little professional here. I'm working. I'm working. Anyway. So he wants to get a... Uh, uh, if anyone at Youngstown State hears this, you can buy Mike Mars loyalty for your t-shirt, apparently. <laughs> please do. Extra large, please. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, then we, you can see a uh, soccer preview for Thursday night, tomorrow night. We were just researching this before the podcast begins. A lot going on. Top six teams make it. So ISU has secured a spot in the tournament. They're in the top six. Question is, they could be as high as three or four with a win, or they could fall as low as six. They can literally sit in any of the. The yeah. only things that's off off limits right now are as a first buy. round buy. They're gonna they're going to be playing on Sunday. The question is the location and their opponent that'll be determined tomorrow. It's pretty cool as well. Uh, this is in the vein of a lot of soccer leagues around the around the world. Uh, on the final day of the season, they kick off all the matches at the exact same time, so that way there's no advantage of teams knowing, well, this team lost, so now that everyone doesn't know what's going on. So it's chaos, and if you're an MVC soccer fan, it'll be a lot of fun tomorrow. Game. All those games are on ESPN3, and they all kick off at 4 p.m. Central Time, so the afternoon soccer, not a bad thing to just kind of watch, and it'll be a lot of fun tomorrow. Also, I know in the bird tomorrow, there'll be a great uh, profile of a new women's basketball coach, Christine Gillespie. John Barless continues to do great work for us, you know, getting all these feature stories in. Had a nice one on Owen Miller a few weeks ago, uh, but this one's pretty nice, especially considering that uh, a lot of stuff surrounding the women's basketball program last year was kind of wasn't the greatest, wasn't the brightest uh, coverage on campus, and this you know is kind of shining a light on uh, the new era, if you will, of women's basketball. Obviously, the last four years uh, under Barb Smith were the the worst four in program history, but uh, and that's something that Kristen Gillespie acknowledges. You know, every time you talk to her, um, you know she acknowledges where this program at and where they want to go and where they think they're going to go. Um, and so a nice profile on her. Obviously, she had a terrific basketball background, played for Yao at NC State, went to the Final Four as a starting point guard, was an assistant coach there, a grad assistant there, coached over at Lewis the past two years and Benedictine up in Lyle, Illinois, uh, four years uh, to, right before Lewis, and now she's here. And so a nice profile on her. Interesting. We don't have much time, but let's just briefly touch upon the fact they were picked seventh in the Valley preseason poll. I was surprised. Uh, not you know, not many returning pieces, which you could argue might be a good thing from last year's team, uh, but not much experience. And last year's team obviously struggled. I was surprised to see them pick seventh. I, I think that would be probably a, a huge accomplishment for this team if they could get to that spot. Yeah, I saw seven. I mean, it's not a big difference. I expect them to be picked eighth, which was kind of where they were last year under Barb Smith. They finished ninth. I mean, again, you're talking one spot difference, but you know, 
it, you know, when you, when you're a program that has seen the dark days like they have, you know, when you when you go from eighth to seventh, that's kind of a big jump. And so even if you finish seventh next year, it's a step in the right direction considering Barb Smith just had a terrible postseason record. Doing you know the NBC tournament record, never made it to a postseason here and never finished higher than seven. So it'll be really interesting. Um, I, I I'll be really interested to watch Kristen Gillespie. I don't have an opinion on her as of yet. Uh, I will say this: uh, I, I'm optimistic about the future, but it was three years ago that she was coaching Division Three basketball, and it's a huge jump. I know she was a former NC State point guard, uh, a lot of experience at the Division One level, but that's a big jump to go from coaching Benedictine to the big boys now here at the Division One level. She didn't have a stop at Lewis in between, but that was a great program already. And she inherited a good team. Yeah. Not to take anything away from no. what she did there, because she was the coach of the year in that conference last year. So you're not taking anything away from her. But I, I, I covered Division Two basketball when before she got there and I covered Lewis a little bit uh, and, and Lewis was a tremendous program before she got there so now it'll be really interesting this is obviously right now frankly not a tremendous program they have a lot of work to do uh, so to watch Gillespie be tasked with doing it will be interesting we'll have to see too early to give a report card yet but obviously this first season will be really crucial for women's basketball we'll talk about men's basketball a little bit later but first we turn our attention to Youngstown Ohio Steel Country USA as the Redbirds hit the road and it's a must-win game for the Penguins. They've been scattering, they've been sputtering as of late and now come in the Redbirds and for Illinois State this is a game that a couple weeks ago did not look very winnable and all of a sudden a win over South Dakota, a Youngstown team without their starting quarterback and maybe you think it's much more winnable. Yeah, I mean, two weeks ago we sat here and said that, you know, it's death row. I mean, line Illinois State up and just put them on death row. Now we're sitting here talking about a team that's riding high, feeling pretty confident about themselves. I mean, you go out and you beat, you beat a South Dakota team that had arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the country. And, you I mean, granted he throws for 440 yards, but your defense steps up, stops the run game. Your offense plays a very good game. You know, the run game is just incredible all night or all day long. And you're catching Youngstown State at a really good time. I mean, if, if you want to catch Youngstown State at, at, at any point in the season, it's probably right now. Illinois State and Youngstown have, I mean, you go back to last year, 20-6. to six. It seems a little lopsided. I mean, even though it's a super low-scoring affair, you could probably expect to see that again as, you know, neither offense, despite Illinois State showing last week, neither offense is, you know, is neither offense is the ca- Neither offense is the calling card of their teams. Right. This is the... These are arguably the two of the top four defenses in the Missouri Valley Conference right now. So it's going to be, as Brock's back said yesterday, it's going to be a dirty game as far as offense goes because these defenses are just going to go get after it. But it's just interesting to see. I mean, you said it, Tom. They're without their starting quarterback, Hunter Wells, who took them to the national championship game a year ago. And I think back to that miraculous play mm-hmm. they made at yep. Eastern Washington. I think that was number one on SportsCenter yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, they booked their ticket. Yeah. Uh, so I, Hunter Wells, pretty well known on the national scene, obviously, especially the FCS level for what he did. They tested Pittsburgh early on in the year, the FBS out of the ACC. That was 28-21 in overtime at Pittsburgh, at not even at Youngstown. I mean, you take an FBS opponent to overtime at home, that's one thing. But you go on the road to ACC Pittsburgh, who we're not talking about, you know, the top tier of the ACC, but Pittsburgh, you know, is, is, is a good program. And they go to overtime, lose by a touchdown. I mean, I remember, I think that game was on, and we kind of flipped by it every now and then, and we just kind of thought, ah, you know what, you know, it's FBS versus FCS. Let's flip it off. And then all of a sudden, we looked at the scoreboard, and it was twenty-eight, twenty-one, and 0 We're like, we, we missed a good game. 
Yeah, Hunter Wells has really not played uh, in any significant way since week number one against Pittsburgh. Threw a couple passes in wins over Robert Morris in Central Connecticut in weeks two and three. Uh, but really, it's been Nathan, Nathan Mays. And Mays is a, a much different quarterback than Hunter Wells. Wells is your traditional pocket passer, really talented player. Uh, I know there was some talk about NFL scouts maybe going to visit him. Instead, now it's Nathan Mays. He's a, he's a running quarterback uh, primarily. Uh, you look at the Central Connecticut game, 96 yards on the ground, 111 through the air. Uh, North Dakota State, thirty rather 81 yards on the ground and 188 through the air. Uh, so... This is a different type of quarterback. Last week, though, and I know you you talked to uh, head coach Brock Spack in the press conference yesterday, and he said that to expect two quarterbacks. Ricky Davis also did see a significant portion of time, attempted nine passes, ran the ball seven times in a loss at UNI last week. And this is a South. Uh, this is a Youngstown State team. Excuse me. That is trending in the wrong direction. Probably the perfect time for the Redbirds to hit him. And it's ironic that it's Youngstown State's homecoming right now because this is they're you know the roles have flipped now. Illinois State's coming in feeling good about themselves and they're playing a struggling team who's fighting for their season even more so this week than Illinois State was a week ago. Because I mean, right now Youngstown State's sitting at three and four. You drop one more game and I mean, it, and we should know they're three and three against uh, against FCS. Correct, so correct. You almost throw out the the game against Pittsburgh. Right. So, they're, but there are three wins in FCS play. Robert Morris, who, no offense to the, the Colonials, I don't think that's a great win. Central Connecticut State, who's not a yeah, football no. powerhouse. South Dakota State, which looked like a better win at the time. Since then, the South, South Dakota State sputtered. Yeah, and then close losses back-to-back week. South Dakota, North Dakota State. Three-point loss against the Coyotes. A three-point overtime loss against the Bison. Uh, one of those games goes differently, and all of a sudden we're talking about a very different team. And even last week, just a five-point loss to a UNI team that's pretty solid. Um, you know, obviously not at the level of South Dakota or, or North Dakota State, but all the, you're talking eight points, and this season's very different. We're talking about a five and two, possibly Youngstown State team, and we're we're feeling very differently about this game. And the thing that I looked at is, you know, everybody hates going to the Union Dome. Everybody hates going to travel to UNI, but it. I was reading a couple of what some of the beat reporters were saying and what you know Bo Pelini was saying about you know this the trend that Youngstown State's going and they all said the same thing that Youngstown State's never played well at the Unidome and I mean I get that you were not dwelling sitting here you know recapping the UNI Youngstown State game because that's not what, I mean, that's not what we're supposed to do but I mean that was that's like a house of horrors as they called it for them and they haven't won there in a while. Um, you're catching them in it. I mean, gee, I, I look at this. I mean, you just look at South Dakota and North Dakota State, those two games, and you wonder what's so different when you go to you and I. I mean, I get that it's a five-point loss, but I don't think North. I mean, we've had this discussion. Northern Iowa is not the top tier of the Missouri Valley Conference. I know they're back in the top 25 this week, but, I, you know, it, you take North Dakota State. I mean, that's just that's the big one for me. And it's at you're at home, and you lose 27-24. I mean, I, I, it's hard to get a read. Again, it's hard to get a read on this team. You, I mean, you don't well, know one, what team so you're going to get. From Youngstown State's perspective, they're three and four, lost three in a row, one and three in the Missouri Valley. However, down the stretch comes Indiana State, Southern Missouri State. You cannot talk about probably a more favorable schedule that anyone will have in the final month of the Missouri Valley Conference schedule. 
And I, I think that's why this is such an important game for them. If they beat Illinois State, all of a sudden they have three, you don't want to call them cupcakes, but three games that they expect to win. They're 7-4. and four, They're back in the tournament. I mean, we'd all agree probably 7-4 and four gets them in the tournament considering yes. Yes. the number of close losses they've had to quality opponents and everything else. A win over Illinois State would help their tournament. And this looks good right now, yeah. this A win over Illinois State this week would look pretty good. And so this is their season. Uh, and we saw what a team with their season on the line can do last week when it was the Illinois State Redbirds. Uh, I'll be honest, Mike. I'll make a prediction early here. I think Youngstown State wins this game. And I know I got burned last week by picking <laughs> South Dakota. But I think they just come out with their hair on fire. This is a team with their season on the line. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in this Youngstown State team. I think they can get it done in a low-scoring game. I think Illinois State still has a good opportunity to win a couple down the stretch here. I just think this week is a difficult challenge. If they win this game, it shows me a lot about their medal, and it also shows me a lot about this coaching staff. If they can coach them up and get them ready to play against this Youngstown State team. The one thing I'll say is... It's a different scenario. ISU is playing for their lives, fighting for their season. And I mean, I know you got Christian Gibbs who was hurt. You got a couple guys limped up, but you weren't missing your starting quarterback, who you know arguably is could be one of the best when healthy in the FCS. I mean, he's a fifty-fifty shot to play. That's what he was last week. He didn't play at all. So SPAC and company, they're like, okay, they're thinking it's fifty-fifty again. You know, now you're really playing for your life. I mean, you're sitting at three and four. You lose this one. I mean, you you might be able to get in again. I mean, I know. I, I, there's just not enough quality wins on that right. schedule then. I mean, you're talking about one win over South Dakota would be their kind of their benchmark. Right. But so you sit there and this is they need this win. I mean, if they're going to make both it, teams need this win. I think both teams need this win because you I mean, you look at Youngstown State's schedule, it gets arguably a lot easier and then you look at Illinois State's, you welcome in Western Illinois who's probably uh, on the schedule, you know, might be the most winnable game left. I mean, I know you go to South Dakota State who we've said isn't you know, isn't the you know the special South still ranked State. very high? Right. And I mean, you see what people are thinking of them. I mean, despite you know sputtering a little bit here, they're still sitting in the top fifteen. Um, but then you host North Dakota State. So I mean, I think you got to get this one because again, you got three there after this. But back to Youngstown State, you're you're playing with that with. There's an unknown variable. I mean. I mean, obviously, they know their personnel better than we do. We're sitting here in normal Illinois talking about, you know, the ba- the backup and the backup's backup of, of Youngstown State. And, I mean, like you said, I mean, Nathan Mays, I mean, you look at his stats. I mean, he's got four rushing touchdowns, so he's got the second most rushing touchdowns on the team. And then he's the third highest rusher with forty, just about 45 yards a game. And then he can throw the ball. I mean, that's something Illinois State hasn't seen. When you go down the line, that is something Illinois State hasn't seen. You've seen a prolific passer two weeks in a row now. I mean, you could argue that Chris Trevler was a, was a guy that could tuck and run, but a lot of those are, aren't designed runs. A lot of those runs are, he you know, he feels pressure and he just tucks and runs, and at that point he's just like a bulldozer. And that's what you saw a lot of last week. That's how he accumulated some of his rushing yards is just the Illinois State defense, you know, creating pressure and him tucking and running. So I, I guess that's the unknown variable. And then the other thing that Spack acknowledged, you don't know the condition of, of Hunter Wells. And the other thing is it's they're not announced they have not announced at all this entire season, the Penguins haven't, what his an injury actually is. He got hurt early in the season and then South Dakota State he got slammed to the ground and he fell on his shoulder. And so right now everyone's speculating that it's a shoulder injury. He came back on the sideline after uh, after that play came out of the locker room in a sling. Uh, but they've not they've not heard anything of, of officially what it is. So you don't know if he's gonna play. I mean you throw 
throw him in there, and then all of a sudden, this is a guy you haven't seen since Central Connecticut. Where what kind of good tape do you have against Central Connecticut? And you go with this on the Youngstown State depth chart. Nathan Mays or Hunter Wells. There there you have them listed as a possibility on their depth chart. Now, that's something they've been doing for a while, so that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, you know, it, it's something to keep an eye on. I'm sure in the back of their minds, the Illinois State has to be wondering, is this the game where even just a relief appearance for Hunter Wells? Think like what Jake Colby did last year against Indiana State. Yeah. And, and the thing that... Yeah. I, it's just it's mind boggling to me. I, I don't know. And the thing, and I asked this was the one thing I asked Coach Beck because, uh, you know, he was talking about that was one of the thing. One of the questions I was asked to him was, "Is Hunter Wells healthy?" And he said, "I don't know." Went on and on about how they they're speculating what his injury is, but then I asked, and then he goes on to say that they used they used two quarterbacks heavily last week, and then I asked him. I said, "Does this throw a wrench in your prep? I mean, how does this change your prep at all? Does it does it change?" And he said, "It doesn't change. Uh, it doesn't change anything as far as the prep goes because you're just looking at the at the court, what plays they're running when who when who whichever quarterback is in." But you can't replicate that in practice. You can replicate a you know a, a guy who's going to tuck and run. Um, I, I think if, if Hunter Wells gets in the game, I think he's going to cause some problems for Illinois State. That's that's what I could say because you you don't have much film on him. I mean, because you're not going to go back. You probably watch the Pitt game if if you're Illinois State and you're you probably watch the Pitt game. I don't know if you watch Robert Morris or Central Connecticut. No, you probably watch the Pittsburgh game. And then you've watched a lot of games since then. But you, you're trying to you have to get really a feel for three quarterbacks. That's the thing. You're looking. You're prepping for three, and all three do something different. Yeah, Ricky Davis. You got to prep for him as well. And what's interesting is Davis is a senior, Wells is a senior, so you have two guys who have been around for a while, and you have Mays, who's a sophomore. All three bring different looks, and this will be very interesting. One thing to note, last week, Wells was listed as a starter on the depth chart with an or, so it was Wells or Mays. This week, it's Mays or Wells. I don't know, again, how much of a difference that makes. That does seem like to me, though, there's a less chance that he plays because they moved him from the top spot to the the secondary spot. But again, I don't know. You know, that could just be reading nothing into uh, reading something into nothing there. Yeah, and if you're Youngstown State with the season in line, and if you're Hunter Wells, even I mean, your senior year, you're coming off an FCS. You know, you come in second place. If if I'm Hunter Wells, I, I think I'm strapping it up. I mean, this is do or die now. I, I don't see a way that they get in if they lose this game. I get if you run the table, you know, you could argue six and five in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. I just don't see it. I mean, as you said, Tom, you don't want to call them cupcakes, but you could call Indiana State a cupcake. I mean, Indiana State's still searching for a first win. Indiana State is just just terrible. I mean, Missouri State isn't a great win, and then you know, Southern. You could argue, oh, you know, Southern beat ISU. Southern. You know, Southern destroyed Indiana State. I, I, I don't think they get in if, if they finish if they lose this weekend and then they you know win out. If they finish six and five, I think they're out. They need to win. They need to win out, including this weekend. And if I'm Hunter Wells, I'm saying you know what? I don't care. R- wrap me up. You know, massage me. You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do to get ready. 
you know, do it because I, I, you, I just don't see a way that a competitor. I'm not, I'm not questioning Hunter Wells by any means because I don't know what the extent of the injury is. I don't know what he's going through. This is a classic Bo Pelini move, though. He's not letting us know. Right. And, and the other thing is, you know, Bo Pelini's, in my opinion, a great coach. I, I don't think he ever should have been let go for Nebraska. You know, they complained about nine four seasons there, and that's a pretty good season for most uh, college football teams, especially in the Big Ten. And you look at what he's been able to do here at Youngstown State. I think he'll have his guys ready. Uh, I, I'll go first in prediction game, and then we'll go over to Mike. Uh, I predict a close one. Uh, it's going to be low scoring. I'll go 17-14, Youngstown State over Illinois State. I still think the Redbirds are in good spot. I think they'll be 5-3 and three and have an opportunity to rebound at home against Western, a team that we both think they can handle. Uh, not that they can easily handle them, but a winnable game coming up. So, But if they win this one, Mike, if let's just hypothetically play out a scenario in which they win this one, six and two, pretty much you don't want to say guaranteed a tournament spot, but you win one down the stretch and you're in incredible shape in the playoffs. This is this win would be monumental. Uh, not as not as crucial as last week's win, obviously that saved their season, but this would be a win in terms of building confidence and building their tournament resume. It would do a lot of a lot of good. Yeah, and and I've kind of changed my ways after thinking about it for a bit. I think you know two weeks ago I said if you you know find a way to squeak out you know six wins and you finish six and five. And you know, I said they might be on the outside looking in because you got a couple. You know, you got that forty-two to seven loss against Southern Illinois. But I mean, you beat Youngstown State at Youngstown State, and then you beat South Dakota at home. And I think you put yourself in a pretty good position if you win one of these games on the we- on the rest of your schedule. I think you find yourself in. I think if, I think if you finish six and five, you're in, uh, just because. These two wins, these last two wins, figuratively speaking, if they get this one at Youngstown State and you have that South Dakota State from a, win a week ago, uh, I think you find yourself in just because of the quality of those wins, which leads me to my prediction. Uh, again, I think it's going to be low scoring. I think the defenses are going to really have to battle it out. Um, I'm going to go as far as to say that one of the touchdowns coming is going to come from the Illinois State defense on Saturday. Um, I'm going First time in a long time, if that's I, true. Yeah, I, I, th- I, think it, I think that's what's going to happen. I'm predicting... A defensive touchdown, uh, 24-14 victory for Illinois State. Um, and so, again, if you take that defensive touchdown out, we're sitting you know, offensively 17-14, similar to you, but I think I think it's about time for, for this defense to step up and score. I mean, that's the one thing that they've been lacking all season. I know we're, we're talking about, you know, they just got off a big win. You know, they're feeling good about themselves. But, you know, the defense, it, if you want to make a, a playoff run and a deep playoff run, this defense is going to have to produce some sort of, you know, points off a turnover. I get last week you forced Chris Trevler into his first two interceptions of the year, dating all the way back to last season, but uh, you know, you, you got to turn some of those turnovers into points. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Illinois State and Youngstown State coming up this weekend. Crucial game for both teams. I take 17-14 Youngstown State. This is it. Their season on the line. Backs against the wall. This is everything for them. And if they win this game, they're probably in the tournament. If they don't, they're probably sitting at home when the time the tournament comes around. So I think you both will have his club ready. Young For Illinois State, game they would like to win, but not maybe as of the same importance. And be important for them to find that desperation level. It'll be interesting to see if they can match that. Mike thinks the defense comes up big for Illinois State. Defensive touchdown propels the Redbirds to a 24-14 victory. Speaking of predictions, how about the preseason poll in the MVC men's basketball side? A lot of the Redbird faithful not too happy where they saw the Redbirds picked, Mike. No, Illinois State slotted fourth 
in the Missouri Valley Conference. The reigning MVC regular season champs, the reigning coach of the year, and then obviously player player of the year, Paris Lee, is gone. But, you know. I mean, I've, I've seen this argument all day from Redbird fans, and I've been a little bit frustrated because reigning champs is, is only technically true. They were co-champs of the regular season That's and did not win the conference tournament, against, I think, as we against, all remember. Against the team who, you know, who left. That yes. team who left. But, so I guess you're of your. I, I think that's why they're saying it because the team that they but beat I'll them you, is but, left. But so I'll they're reigning. But Wichita State, if they were still here, would disagree. And uh, I'm just saying that because I think it's going to get a little. It's going to get some of the Redbird fans riled up and and whatnot. Because I mean, you would have thought that the season ended and they were on the bubble again, and they just you know lost another bid to the NCAA tournament and got put in the NIT again. I mean, that's kind of what I saw on Twitter and Facebook was people were in an uproar because oh my god, Illinois State put fourth. That's you know that is just you know you can't do that. And I'm this gonna is a you, team that returns one starter from a championship team. And a we talked and we talked about this last night when we saw it. You're returning Phil Fain. It's not like and no discredit to Phil. Phil was on the on the All MVC preseason. He was the fourth team. starter last right. year. Right, he was the fourth starter. He's last gonna year. have to be more than that this year. But it's reasonable to assume after losing. Look at what they lost. Paris Lee. Tony Wills, Deontay Hawkins, Mikhail McIntosh, DJ Clayton. I mean, you look at your top seven from last year. Here are the returners. Keyshawn Evans, Phil Fain, maybe David Njai, depending on what, what part of the season and who the opponent was. But you're returning two, maybe three of your top seven to eight players from last season. I think it's reasonable to be ranked fourth. I think you, Mike, and a lot of Redbird fans are very high on some of the players they've brought in, leading off with Malik Yarborough and including uh, some of the freshmen as well, including uh, Elijah Clarence, the new point guard. Who is? He did not participate in Hoops Fest. Or Hoop Fest, you know. Uh, And then he's in a boot. He's been in a boot since, I believe, early October. Uh, I believe it's a Stress fracture in his foot. Uh, you know, the, you wonder if that's going to play a factor in in the rest. I mean, of the it year. seems like it's unlikely that he'll be at least a hundred percent by opening day. Correct, but I mean, stress fractures are. I mean, that thing that might that might nag him all year. I mean, yes, I, I, and that that could be a big part. And I get that's that's not what the voters are thinking. The voters are like, oh, stress fracture. You know, it's going to bother him. Let's put him in fourth. I actually, and I know you mentioned that I'm high on this team. I do. I, I'm high on this team, but. I believe what's going to happen is I think they're going to struggle. I mean, I, we talked about how they struggled last year up until January, up until really that Hawaii tournament went over Christmas break. That's kind of what propelled that, you know, improbable, magical second half that they had leading up to, you know, that Sunday at Arch Madness. But the thing is, none of these guys have been in the positions they are before besides Phil Fain and he's not even in the position he was last year no, now I would disagree I mean Phil Fain last year was he's a right was a tremendous complimentary piece but now he's, he's gonna be, gonna be asked he's got to be the main piece and who's who's he the main piece with this is the this is the other argument that I think we could go on for days who's that who's who's a main piece with him you could argue for people who haven't seen him you could argue Malik Yarbrough you could argue you know go with a familiar face Keyshawn Evans you could go Elijah Clarence that's the thing is I mean the other thing we're not even talked about yet is Zach Copeland was supposed to be a huge part of this team was probably their biggest recruit you know outside of Clarence last season a huge late season pickup for them I think he signed in April mm-hmm. what happened to him he's not here anymore no he uh, academically ineligible and that's big I mean, that was I think that was the one to me that said or that was I was very high in him I he was you know shots in like 50% or 40 he shot an outrageous clip from from three last season at the junior college level and I was thinking Col- 
co co JUCO player of the year in Cali. I, I thought he was going to be a guy that could maybe come in and immediately score 15 points a game and really take a lot of the pressure off Yarborough and Fane. And now they don't have that. And I just think this team is probably a year away from contending. The thing I go back to and the thing I think about. I mean, who are the seniors on this year's team? You got you got one, and it's Jaron Martin, the the transfer. Yeah. Who was not here until no. you know about has been here as long as a cup of coffee. He's <laughs> you know he's been here since September or eight August whenever he got here, and he averaged you know, two and a, two and a half minutes a game last year at Texas Southern. Yeah, so. and the thing and the thing I'll say is, and I get it. I keep acknowledging this to everybody I talk to because everybody asks me, "Oh, how's Hoop Fest? You know, who looks good? How do we look? How do we, how are we going to look? How are we going to be?" Um, there's no defense that's played, but William Tinsley looked really good. That's one we haven't talked about yet. That's I forgot about William Tinsley, and he was a guy that turned down Florida State, local right. kid. He could be someone that I think he benefits a lot from Copeland not being here. Right. So he looked really good. Again, no defense. Uh, Phil Fane obviously looked good. Again, I mean, you you were there last year at Hoop Fest when he was just... Phil Fane is tailor-made for Hoops Fest. Oh it's all God. dunking and just fast breaks. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I know you... Not many jump shots shot in Hoop Fest. No, no. I, not, I believe maybe three, and none of them went in. <laughs> that might be an issue if nobody... Because that's, that's, that's how Illinois State actually... When you look at some of their hot streaks, you know, they got on a, on a hot streak because they just could not miss from beyond the arc, yeah, which I, was frustrating. If you're another, if you're an opposing team, because it's like, what more do you want us to do? And then you obviously see Deontay Hawkins hit one from half court in the NIT. But back both to both games, the NIT. The first, I mean, even even the first game against UC Irvine was pulling up from the deep, and then the second one. I mean, obviously the UCF one. I think we all remember that one. <laughs> that one was, was from, incredible. By the way, from we the downtown just, of Bloomington. We should just note uh, the the preseason poll. Uh, Missouri State picked as the favorite, thirty first place votes. Northern Iowa surprised me as the number yeah, two. Yeah, that didn't felt think like that. it was almost. On reputation, it's, uh, I think that one's strictly out of. Res- we talk about a lot about respect for coaches in the Missouri Valley. Uh, I think that's a respect pick. I think a lot of people respect Ben Jacobson, and I think that's where that comes in. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know what they have. I mean, you look at last year and they just they couldn't get anything going. Yeah, and then Loyola. Former ISU coach Porter Mosier got a first-place vote, 321 points for the third-place Loyola, and then the Redbirds uh, were picked fourth just behind them. The one thing I'll say about Loyola, it's shocking to me that they're like, okay, we're going to finish third, we're a better team. You lost an NBA player. You lost Milton Bra- you Milton Bradley, not the baseball player. You lost Milton Doyle. Sorry, I'm still in my Cubs, still in my, you know. Milton Bradley, also the game the game guy. He makes the board games, Milton Bradley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to Milton Doyle, an, an NBA player. Um, you lose an NBA player, your best, I mean, arguably one of the best players in, in the Missouri Valley last year, the best player on your team without a doubt. And you're sitting here like, oh, we got better. That's, we got better. You know, the team that interests me is that Southern Illinois team. They were. I thought they might be a little bit higher. They do lose Sean O'Brien, but I still I, losing Sean O'Brien for Southern Illinois is not losing Milton Doyle for Loyola. No. You can you can come back from losing Sean o, Sean O'Brien. I don't understand. Team, I, don't get, I don't get the Loyola. I'll be honest. Finish finishing up the rest of the poll. Redbirds fourth. Southern Illinois fifth. Valparaiso new to the conference. There will be sixth. Uh, if Alex Peters was here, we're talking about a very different. I I said it yesterday. If Alex Peters is still here, I think that's a team that 
arguably, and I get it might be a little bit of a stretch, arguably could win the Valley their first year in. This year seems a little unlikely. Bradley, I was I had liked some pieces of that Bradley team last year. I don't know if you saw Brian Wardle today. He was going I after uh, Greg Marshall on Twitter. He, Greg Marshall said that, you know, oh, we'd like to, you know, scrape a couple games versus Bradley. And, then and he was talking about their, to just to give right. the context, Greg Marshall was talking about their non-conference schedule. Uh, they have some tough they opponents. They go to Maui. They go play Baylor. They're at Oklahoma State. Uh, and he said, you know, we're going to miss some of the teams like Bale, uh, like uh, Bradley that we played last year. And then Brian Royal retweeted it and said, and said November. Home, yeah, he said, here's our open dates, home and home anytime. Although yeah. I think it's a little uh, generous to assume that Wichita State's going to be making any more trips to Peoria. Also, what's kind of funny about that is do you, I don't know how much you caught of that opening of that second round on, on Friday night, but when Wichita played Bradley, do you, do you remember they didn't? those two did not leave on good terms because you know players were getting into it and then uh, I forgot, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I'm, can uh, I just be honest? I'm really disappointed Wichita didn't have one more season here. I would have loved to have the Wichita leaving. Everyone knows they're leaving and they right, got one more yes. tour in the Valley. Yes, it would have been incredible. Would, and that would just be... Ev- and you'd see... Every single time they go out to an opposing gym, it would without a doubt be packed. Even if you're playing in it, maybe not Indiana State or Drake, you know, because you know, just there's no hope for them really. But you know, you go to Bradley, and you know those fans are going to be all over them. You come to ISU, that's I, I. That was my one. I was prepared for them to leave. I was not prepared for them to leave so abruptly. And I thought it was going to be. I thought they were going to have to do it one more year, and then you know the American Conference said, you know, yeah, put them in right now. And I was like, well, damn. I mean, that's kind. I mean, you would like to see which. Wichita State being here one more year. Wichita one more year would have been a lot of fun. I think they would have probably rolled this year, but it would have been... Because they they're better than they were last year. And, and Landry Shamit, and I said if, if they stayed in the conference, Landry Shamit's a three-time Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year. I get Alizé Johnson's good. You know, the Redbird faithful are going to be like, well, what about Malik Yarborough? I'm telling you right now. If Wichita State was still in the conference... I'm not, I'm not high in Landry Shamit. Landry Sh- I'm, I'm, in, my, in, my opinion, right, well. in my opinion, Landry Shamit was a three-time Player of the Year. I call, I, him, I call him Laundry. Laundry. Laundry Shamit. Yeah, clean it up. He's just cleaning up the valley. That's what he would have been doing. Cleaning up the valley. Laundry Shamit. Anyway, let's bring it back to the Redbirds uh, as we wrap up this edition of the Redbird Report. Very interesting. Let's just take a brief look at the schedule. They open up this is already tough. You know, you don't want to sound uh, like Duke, uh, who complained last year that South Carolina got a home game in the NCAA tournament, but now that Puerto Rico tip-off becomes played in Myrtle Beach, and all of a sudden you open up against South Carolina, and that game becomes a lot more challenging that you're playing in South Carolina against the Gamecocks. That's a virtual road game now. And not to mention their first real road game at Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, I mean, be, that I, was that. The thing is, and I again, I've talked to people about this game. If we're talking that this was on last year's schedule, that's a good game. I mean, last year's team against Florida Gulf Coast, that's a good game. It, nothing against Mueller's team right now. Nothing against anybody who's on that team. But Florida Gulf Coast, at Florida Gulf Coast, this is a team who virtually, I think you can agree with me, has no identity right now. This is a team who's going into the season without an identity, without true leadership, without a true number one go-to guy. I, I don't see a way that they go down there and compete the way you would have liked to when you scheduled that game. Florida Gulf Coast will be interesting. That could be a loss, and that's not one that you want to start the year off with a loss. That's a marquee win if you get one, too. Yeah. 
And then you take South Carolina, and then you have Boise State or UTEP, and then after that, too difficult to figure out who that third game would be. Then you get sort of a, a little breather, Quincy, the you know basically an exhibition game. Well, last year was an exhibition yes, game. This which, year now, this year mm-hmm. now in the schedule, they take over the Ferris State spot from last year. Uh, Charles Charles Charleston Southern comes to town then, and that's another game the Redbirds you say almost have to win. And this especially, there's an opportunity they might be you know one in four or two in and two and four two and four, and the one win one of those wins being against Quincy that'd be a game they need to win. Then comes a murderer's row at Nevada, home for Tulsa, at BYU, home for Murray State, at Old Miss. That is a brutal stretch. Uh, you're not going to find too many Valley Conference, non-conference schedules with a different, diff- more difficult stretch than Nevada, Tulsa, BYU, Murray State, Old Miss. No, and and the thing that's concerning, and and I and I know it's funny, you know, they haven't even taken the floor in their exhibition game against Lewis, and we're sitting here. It's concerning. You don't ha- you don't know what you have. That I mean, obviously Dan Muller, you know, thinks he knows his lineup, thinks he's got all this stuff figured out in practice. No, I don't. You, I don't think you have a set five. I think it's gonna be like last year. You know how you kind of knew who was gonna be starting, but DJ Clayton got some starts, Phil Fain got some starts, and then eventually Phil slid himself into you know that solid five, and then that five never changed. But that's a stretch where it's like if you don't have a set five and you don't, you got to figure yourself out. You got to find yourselves quick early in the season because otherwise you're sitting there and out of those games going into that stretch, you said two and four, possibly one and five. I mean, maybe I don't know who. How do you how do you how do you rebound from that with that schedule? I mean, you get UIC coming in, you know, not so long after that, and UIC not a great program, but a program trending upwards. Like I just that's that's brutal. That is brutal, and I think that. That's where they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. This is a young team, inexperienced team, and I think they figure it out by the time you hit Valley Play and by the time Arch Madness comes around, but it's going to be a long month of November and December, probably into January. Let's just, before we sign off, do you think that number four ranking justified, unjustified? I think it's justified. I don't. You don't know. The other thing is, voters don't know what they're what they're getting. What are voters when voters sit there and put Illinois State in at four? Are they sitting there like, oh, we're going to put Phil Fain at four? Or are they like, oh God, you know what? Illinois State looks like they're going to have a really good lineup. You know, you got Malik, you got Fain, you got Keyshawn, Elijah. You don't know what you're getting. I I don't think anybody can necessarily truly judge this team until they take the floor and see what they have. Uh, because like we said, I mean, obviously we've seen hoop fest, we've seen a couple practices. And you know, Malik Yarbrough, uh, Dan Muller on Friday night said that he, you know, he thinks Malik Yarbrough can be in contention for Player of the Year this year. Um, but he's gonna have to be. I think. I think if they want to, if they want to be good, if they want to be good and contend for a title and contend for an NCAA tournament bid, he's got to be a Player of the Year. Interesting as well on the coaching staff. No associate head coach with all of the coaching departures. Really, Brian Reese right now is probably the most tenured coach, and I guess you'd say he's in line maybe to get that. And he was only here a year ago. And the one thing this is funny, and I know we're gonna. This is kind of backtracking a little bit to the summer, but when we when we talk about the departures and the how about on the players, how about the coaching staff as well? Yeah. A lot of turnover there as well. Yeah, you had uh, you had uh, DeAndre Haynes and Luke. Yaklich leave, who everybody, and I know we briefly talked... And Dean Oliver as well. And Gene Oliver. I forgot about Dean. Dean went over to Wisconsin. Obviously, the other two went to Michigan. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's going to be interesting to see how this season plays out. And I'm not going... I'm not making a season prediction right now. I'm not making any... This is not me making any predictions. This is me just... You know, playing the what if game. If they have a bad season, all of these guys who transferred in or are freshmen right now, all of them, 
and you know this, all of them credited Luke Yaklich for getting them here and being a big part of the reason why they chose Illinois State. He's gone. And it's an entirely new coaching staff. It's This is not the staff that they came and visited and seen and talked to. It's going to be interesting to see if, if they don't have a good year. And this is a team I think we can both agree on. There's a couple offensive threats that maybe fight for shots. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but it could. It'll be interesting to see if they have a bad year or who, if anybody, any of these guys leave. Because right now, I think everyone's banking on this this group, this team, staying together for another year and then making a run in the Valley next year to just be like the Wichita we, State. Let, let's be honest. They need a big performance and a, probably a step forward from Gassman or from Madison Williams. One of those guards is really going to have to step up with the absence of someone like Zach Copeland and the absence of... Ball handlers, even if they weren't necessarily guards, in in Mikhail McIntosh and Deontay Hawkins, and even guys like DJ Clayton. Clayton's a guy right now that I, I think would be very Perfect valuable all on this team. That unfortunately they don't have him. I think we're out of time on this edition of the Redbird Report, but I'll, I'll mention as well, Redbird fans, let's take a deep breath. It's only been the preseason poll. We had not yet even had media day here at Illinois State. This team is going to cause a lot of headaches to Redbird fans, but I think there's a good potential for this team to be good. But preseason polls don't matter. No. If, if you if you want to be good, you have to go out there and prove it. And this team can use that as a slight if they want to. They can go out there. I saw Paris Lee was tweeting that you know people are sleeping on his boys, he said. Uh, and if, if that's how this team feels, go out there and prove it. And, and I think they will. There's, there's a good opportunity for them to do that. But ultimately... Preseason polls are irrelevant. Where were the Redbirds picked last year? I don't even remember. Do you remember? Uh, I believe they were five. I think they were no. They had to be. They had to be at least fourth. No, because because of the last four years, they've been five or higher. So I think last year they were five. I believe last year they were five. Um, but the point is, we barely remember, and it didn't matter. Correct. I mean, they go out and were we seventeen ta- and one. Were we talking about in February? Oh, the Redbirds were picked fifth. No, we were not. So I think this is. I know like everyone's excited for Redbird hoops to get started. And this is just something to talk about. But I would just let's take a deep breath let's let the first couple games go underway let's see what we have let's even try to project a starting lineup right now would be difficult uh so let's just see what what happens first before we start let's, losing our minds if we're redbird basketball fans the other thing that they can do and I, you know it's gonna be funny we talk about not hitting the not hitting the panic button on, on the redbird report here in the past couple weeks if this team goes out and starts two and four, two and five, two and six, whatever it is, I don't think you hit the panic button for this team. No, because this is a team that I'm telling you right now. I think they do start like two and six. I think they go a two out and six start is reasonable, but a, a, a bounce back in the valley is also reasonable. That's why I'm saying that is I think they're gonna I think they're gonna play really poorly out of conference. But I'm telling you right now, I my prediction for them is is I think they finish at least in the top three of the valley, um, and then you had an Norris Madness in good standing, but. That's you know that's to be seen. That's for a later date. And this, like you said, Tom, you hit it perfectly on the head. It's the preseason poll. Come March, are we going to be talking about the preseason poll? If they're out, if, if, fairly speaking, if, if they're on the edge of a postseason berth, whether it's the NCAA or the NIT, we're going to be like, hey, look at the preseason poll. Probably not. And that's all we have to say for this edition of the Redbird Report. Women's soccer big contest tomorrow, 4 p.m. Central Time. They take on Missouri State. Men's football, they'll take on Youngstown State coming up Saturday. A huge contest for them. Men's basketball, they still got a few weeks before they tip off. That will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report. For Mike Morrow, signing off from the Vedette offices, I'm Tom Prisman saying thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.